Well, we're going to take a little break from our, our series of messages, Aftermath. We've been talking about the aftermath of the resurrection. What are the results of that? Because there are tangible results of the resurrection. We've been talking about that for the last few weeks. Well, we'll resume that next week, but today we're going to talk about mothers and moms and the ladies in the house. So let me just start by saying, guys, say, all right, I got a week off. I don't have to think about anything. Or No, 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 no. There's something really good here for you, so I'm trusting. Just hang with me. I think you'll enjoy our time together. Before we get into the specifics, I want to read a passage of Scripture that I find find intriguing, but I also find it, I won't say what I find it to be. Let me just say it this way. You might find this to be a challenging passage of Scripture, and it's on the screens for you, and let me just say too, we have two new screens in the house, as you might imagine. And this has been a very generous gift of someone in our congregation to just help complete what was done. So can we just give a big thank you by a hand of applause. This was a wonderful blessing to us and we're so deeply appreciative of it. Proverbs chapter 31, just a few verses, reading in verse number 10. A good woman is hard to find and worth far more than diamonds. Her husband trusts her without reserve and never has reason to regret it. This is from the message paraphrase, by the way. Never spiteful, she treats him generously all her life long. She shops shops around for the best yarns and cottons and enjoys knitting and sewing. She's like a trading ship that sails to faraway places and brings back exotic surprises. She's up before dawn, preparing breakfast for her family and organizing her day. She looks over a field and buys it. Then, with the money she's put aside, plants a garden. First thing in the morning, she dresses for work, rolls up her sleeves, eager to get started. She senses the worth of her work, is in no hurry to call it quits for the day. She's skilled in the crafts of her home and heart, diligent in homemaking. She's quick to assist anyone in need, reaches out to help the poor. She doesn't worry about her family when it snows. Their winter clothes are all mended and ready to wear. She makes her own clothing and dresses in colorful linens and silks. Her husband is greatly respected when he deliberates with the city fathers. She designs gowns and sells them, brings the sweaters she knits to the dress shops. Her clothes are well made and elegant. She always faces tomorrow with a smile. When she speaks, she has something worthwhile to say, and she always says it kindly. She keeps an eye on everyone in her household and keeps them all busy and productive. Her children respect and bless her. Her husband joins in their words in, in with words of praise. Many women have done wonderful things, but you've outclassed them all. Charm can mislead and beauty soon fades. The woman to be admired and praised is the woman who lives in the fear of God. Give her everything she deserves. And some of the ladies are going, are you kidding me? That whole thing thing about my children rising up and calling me blessed, right. They look at me cross-eyed and walk out the door, you know. This is the most unrealistic passage of scripture I have ever heard in my entire life. This is absolutely nuts. And it has nothing to say to me. Now, I know I'm being a little bit dramatic, but the point, the point is, we look at some of these things that we say, this, this is not even remotely like my life. It's nowhere near. And I think we look at that and we say, okay, if that's what a woman is supposed to be, I have just, I've missed the mark. It isn't me. In fact, a number of years ago, I was getting ready to do a message on Mother's Day, and one of the ladies in our church, she heard, she found out that I was going to be preaching from Proverbs 31, and she said, I really don't know if I want to come or not, because I can't live up to that. And I took that to heart, and I said, you know something? 
I'm really glad you said it because I'm really not going to speak on those qualities that we just read. I'm going to speak on this particular portion, and it's verses 30 and 31. The woman to be admired and praised is the woman who lives in the fear of God. Give her everything she deserves. You see, God isn't as concerned about your performance, or rather, he is more concerned about your character than your performance. You know, all of those things are good. And they're admirable, and they're great qualities. And, and some of them, they connect, and some of them don't connect. And, you know, we get it. I get it. But we look at it, and we can be overwhelmed and say, I can't, I can't live up to it. I can't measure up. But you know something? God's more concerned, more, more concerned about your character, that you fear God, that you love Him, that you respect Him. And the rest, well, He has a way of making that come to, to pass and to fruition in our lives in very wonderful and unique ways. And that being said, we're going to talk a little bit about just some things that I believe are really, really on my heart for you today as, as the moms and as the ladies in the congregation. By the way, you cannot leave today, ladies, all the ladies in the house, regardless of how old you are or how young you are, wherever you find yourself in that thing called age, we have a gift for you. In fact, you are the bomb according to this particular gift. That's all I'm going to say. You are the bomb, and make sure that you grab one of those before you go out today, just for us to remember and to say thank you for being who you are. There are a lot of captivating ladies in Scripture. I mean, the Scriptures are just filled with amazing characters. In fact, uh, there was a book series written a few years ago by Liz Curtis Higgs titled Bad Girls of the Bible. Now, I, lo- I love that because not only is it just one book, but she's got three books. You ready for this? Bad Girls of the Bible, Slightly Bad Girls of the Bible, and Really Bad Girls of the Bible. Now, I, I, like, I like that. I like the, the, the turn that she's taken on that phrase. And then she introduces some of these characters with words like bad to the bone, bad for a season, Bad, but not forever. And you know, the reality is, that's what we see in Scripture. What's so cool about Scripture is that Scripture doesn't keep us, uh, keep quiet about the challenges or the realities of life when it kind of goes crazy. And she talks about characters like Jochebed, who's Moses' mother. She talks about Mary, the mother of Jesus. Uh, She will also talk about the woman at the well. And there's another specific character we're going to talk about today, and her name is Martha. Martha. And in fact, I I have a special, I just kind of have a special place in my heart for Martha. In my opinion, and this is just my opinion, I think Martha gets a bad rap. I, I think sometimes we all want to be somebody other than Martha. And it seems as if when we read Scripture, everything points to the fact that, oh, we want to be a Mary. We want to be like her sister. Her, Martha, I don't know. She's kind of in some respects, not portrayed negatively, but not as positively as Mary is portrayed. And while I'm not necessarily here to convince you of that, I am here to share with you some things from her life that I believe can really be significant for all of the ladies in the house. We're going to do so from Luke chapter 10 today. Luke chapter 10, beginning at verse number 38. And I'm reading from the New Living Translation this morning. That's unusual. I normally preach from the New International, but today I'm going to read from the New Living. There's some reasons for that. It's just the way the language works for this particular moment. So look with us, look with me, if you would, on the screens. Luke chapter 10 is also in your worship guide. Verse 38, as Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he taught. 
But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. But the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, you're worried and upset over all these details. There's only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken from her. Mary, Martha, and Lazarus were very special, a very special family to Jesus. You see them in, you see Jesus in their home on numerous occasions. And they are witnesses to a variety of conversations with Jesus, miracles. In fact, Lazarus is the one that Jesus raised from the dead. You see in expressions of faith and so many, grief, a variety of things in their lives. And there, there are some interesting things that I just want to point out, and I'm using it this way as I have a prayer, my prayer for the ladies in the house today. My prayer for the ladies is threefold. The first is this. My prayer for you, ladies, is celebrate your unique gifts and talents. Celebrate your unique gifts and talents. Mar- Martha was quite a lady. Uh, she, what we learn is that she appears to be the oldest of the three children. So she has certain responsibilities as the eldest child. She's also a homeowner. You notice the scripture says, the text says that she welcomed them into her home. She was the one who owned the home. Could have been inherited from dad, mom, whomever. The point is she's most likely the homeowner. Uh, She's practical. She's about the business of the house. She really, in some respects, represents very well a woman of the 21st century. Uh, She has faith. Later on, when it comes to uh, when Lazarus is, has died, and he, she's having a conversation with Jesus. She says, I believe you can do it right now. You know, there's a, there's a measure of faith in Martha's life. But you also notice the differences between Martha and Mary. Martha is active. Mary is reflective. Martha is distracted. Mary is focused. Martha feels neglected. Mary is included. When you look at the definitions of their names, it's It's interesting. Martha's name means lady of the house, lady of the house. She's hospitable. She serves. She's practical. She's energetic. When we see her approach Jesus after her brother Lazarus dies, she's questioning him. She's wondering what's going on, but she also expresses faith. Mary's name means beloved. She's sensitive, reflective, quiet. Uh, She's frank. And, and, And what's interesting, all three times, all three times we see Mary, where do we find her? We find her sitting at Jesus' feet. You see, God has made every one of us in this room, men and women, he has made us just as we are. And the way that we are made, the way that we are divinely wired, should be celebrated and not overlooked. In fact, sometimes I think we look at the way we're made and go, I don't like this. I want to be somebody else. And maybe you've been in the same place and you've read the story of Mary and Martha and say, you know, I want to be a Mary. I don't want to be a Martha. But you know down deep in your heart, God, God made you to be a Martha. And you're going, what is up with this? She's sitting at Jesus' feet and she's bustling around going, you know, all of this stuff. What is that all about? Well, I want to leave you two thoughts. First is this, God, (laughs) there are no bad personalities. God does not make a bad personality. 
did a little research, and I thought it was really fascinating. I, I found it interesting. There are approximately 2,500 different personality tests in the United States available to us. And all, the, and all this week, I took every one of them to see who I really was. No, I didn't. I mean, that's overwhelming. Now, you might have been in a, in a place for a job or something where you've taken a personality exam or something to try and kind of determine or, or, or find out a little bit more about how you're wired, how you're designed. And they're good. There's a lot of different tests. Myers-Briggs is a very, a very popular one. A disc analysis is another. In fact, next week at the third week of growth track during the 11 a.m. service, disc analysis will be given. Why? So that there is an opportunity for us to learn how we're wired. It really helps us. It's been a very valuable tool to learn how we're divinely wired. God puts us together uniquely, and it is wonderful, and it is to be celebrated. Do not walk through this life comparing yourself to someone else. God made you just like you are for a reason. We need you. We don't need a whole bunch of duplicates of somebody else. We need you. We need you. Psalm 139, verse 14. Listen to what the psalmist says. I praise you. I praise you. Because you made me in an amazing and wonderful way. What you have done is wonderful. I know. I know this very well. I want to encourage you, ladies. I want to encourage all of us. When you're beginning to compare yourself to others, when you're starting to think I'm not valuable, get up in the morning and pray this prayer. I praise you, God, because I am fearfully, I am wonderfully made. You designed me good. That's a statement of praise, an acknowledgement of what God has done in your life. You know, it, and also you, you go on and you read, you read a little bit later. The second point is to embrace is to embrace the gifts God has given you and use them for his glory. So not only, not only should we understand that there are no bad personalities, we need to embrace the gifts God has given us. Peter would say it this way, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them to serve one another well, or use them well to serve one another. Understand something, Martha was not Mary. And Mary was not Martha. Both, both were, made, were, were made exactly how God desired to make them. And celebrate that truth. And I want to celebrate that truth in you. And that is my prayer for you. The second prayer is for you is don't be worn out and worn down. Don't be worn out and worn down. You know, you may relate well with Martha today, and there's three different things that you see in this text that are unique. The first are the preparations. She, or, or excuse me, the first is the distractions, I apologize. The distractions. When we're distracted, I love this, when we're distracted, we are rendered incapable of behaving or reacting in a normal manner. When we are distracted, we are incapable of behaving or reacting in a normal manner. We are irrational and disturbed. And you can see in her life, she's a little bit distracted by everything that's going on around her. Maybe, it's, maybe you have experienced something like this particular character from a very fun movie. His name was Doug. Doug had squirrel moments. And a squirrel moment was, you know, the, the, if you haven't seen the movies up, it's really wonderful. It's a lot of fun. But Doug can talk. Doug can talk, and so he's talking, having a conversation, and then all of a sudden, he just sees squirrel. He's 
distracted from the conversation to the squirrel. And a lot of us walk through life with just squirrel moment after squirrel moment. And I think in some respects, you look at Martha and she's distracted. Why? There are the distractions probably because of the preparations. You see, she's invited Jesus over to dinner. And what is she doing? She is preparing. She's preparing for not just a dinner. She's preparing, the text says, for a big dinner. This is something very special. And it's amazing how much we do to prepare for even the smallest of things. Now, there's no criticism there. It's just a reality. I, I, I am forever amazed at how hard my wife works to prepare for certain things. And I applaud her in that. And you see, Martha is exactly there. She is preparing diligently. She is distracted. She's everywhere. And then the third thing, the third thing is the unfairness in it all. And another translation here. You have to understand, go back to what it said. She says, Jesus, can't you have Mary come and help me? Don't you see what's going on? Another translation says it this way. Lord, don't you care? And some of us feel just like that. Nobody's coming alongside of us, and God doesn't even care about what we're doing. It's just all unfair. There's no fairness to be had. I wonder if you ever feel this way. You're doing what you know fits your personality, your interests and your gifts, but... It seems if all the Marys, all the Marys are noticed, loved, and applauded. But because of the distractions, the preparations, and then the seemingly unfairness of everything, you're just left to the side and nobody really cares. You're unnoticed, you're unappreciated, and you're ignored even by Jesus. That's what Martha's saying. That's what Martha's saying. A number of years ago, we were, Marcy and I were doing a couple's retreat. We were the, we were the speakers. We were the whatever you call it, the people in whatever we did. So we were away, and we had done their sessions, and one of the things we'd planned is to get all the couples away privately to have some time by themselves. And so we sent them off, and then Marcy and I did the same thing. And we were at we were at Camp Pinecrest up in San Bernardino Mountains, and we were out by the Lakeside Lodge where we had the re- retreat. And we went out by the lake. We sat down on a bench, and we started to talk. She went silent on me, and then she, she made this statement. She said, Gary, I can't do one more thing. And it, it just kind of it rocked me. Because I don't, know, I don't know where I had been. I don't know what rock I had been living under. But obviously I'd been living under some kind of rock not to have noticed and not to have been sensitive to the, to the various things that were going on in her life. You have to understand where she was at this point. She was a full-time second grade teacher at El Cajon, Cajon Valley School District. She is raising three very active teenagers. She is the director of women's ministries at our church. She has just lost a parent to cancer. She is in the middle of her master's program at San Diego State. She's a pastor's wife, and then her husband guilted her into being the speaker at this couple's retreat. It's another one of the chapters in my book titled, Not My Finest Hour. So that's, I had, the, the book keeps growing by the time, you know, it's just growing and growing. 
Where was I in all of this? And I was expecting her to do more and more and more and more and more. And she said, stop. I can't do one more thing. It was a come to Jesus moment for us as a couple and for me as her husband. I had to take a look at my own life and say, wait a minute. Something's not right. Something's out of order here. And i got to get this straightened out. You see, she... She literally took the verse, I can do all things through Christ. She, so, she took it literally, and she would say it this way, I can do all things through Christ. Uh, in fact, I not only could, but I should do all things through Christ. And so there was a sense of guilt in not allowing her to say, I can't do this anymore. So she was struggling. She was wrestling with this guilt of not being able to say, no. So I made some serious adjustments to what I did. And here's what she did. She started saying no without guilt. And ladies, everybody in the house this morning, there are times that you need to say no and not feel guilty about it. Yeah, there are a lot of distractions. And there are a lot of preparations. And there's a lot of feeling of unfairness. I get it. But let me encourage you this morning to say no. So we're going to practice. All the ladies, guys, you got to be quiet. So ladies, here we go. On the count of three, you're going to say no. One, two, three. That was pathetic. We're going to try that again. You need more practice. And Come on. you got to get into it because you got to get this into your heart and soul. One, two, three. Better. Doesn't that feel good? I'm going to tell you something that I believe to be absolutely true. When you say no to something that you know in your heart of hearts you need to say no to, there is going to be a liberation in your soul. You're going to feel free. Because there are times that we just need to say no and to settle. And and in the midst of that, we need to remember that Jesus cares about you. You You are his special concern. He loves you. He cares about you. He knows where you are. He, he understands the challenges that you're facing. Matthew eleven twenty eight. and again, I use Eugene Peters, Peterson's paraphrase, and I want you to hear how he phrases this beautiful passage of Scripture. Are you tired? Worn out? Burned out on religion? Not burned out on Jesus. Hear this. Not burned out on Jesus, but burned out on all the trappings that follow this thing that we call faith. That have nothing to do with the reality of faith, but that are religious as it were. Are you burned out on religion? Jesus said, come to me. I love that. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me, work with me, watch how I do it. I love this. Learn the the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Hallelujah. A little later on in in John chapter 11, the story of Lazarus and and Martha's in this whole thing. You notice something so unique here, and this is just one translation of Scripture, but it's so significant. John 11.5 says, Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. 
Do you notice anything unique there? Mary's name isn't mentioned. But Jesus loved Martha. Make no mistake. Jesus loves the Marthas among us. It doesn't mean that he doesn't love the Marys, but he loves the Marthas. And if you feel like you're a Martha, but you've always wondered, why can't I be a Mary? I want you to know Jesus loves you desperately, just like you are. I'm grateful for that. Remember, 1 Peter 5, give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. The distractions, the preparations, the unfairness, give it to him. Say, I can't carry this anymore, God. And it might be okay, ladies, to just say to the Lord in prayer, say, God, and maybe your husband can listen in. I can't do one more thing. And it's okay to not feel guilty about saying no. It appears that Martha was worn out and worn down. And my prayer for you is that you won't be. You won't be. Say no without guilt and cast your cares and your worries on Jesus. Carry what you can, but don't carry what you can't. It's okay. It's my prayer for you. Number three, my prayer for you is discover and embrace God's very best. Discover and embrace God's very best. You know what's interesting in this text, and this is why I chose the the new internet, uh, the new living. In other translations, you'll read it like this. When Jesus speaks to Martha, she, he'll say, Martha, Martha. And sometimes we look at those words as being a rebuke, that he's, he's getting after her. It's really not a rebuke. It, it really is better, it's better understood in the way the new living translates it. When he says, my dear Martha. He understands where she is. He's empathetic. He is empathizing with her. And that's really significant because what is empathy? Empathy is experiencing the feelings, thoughts, and the attitudes of another. Jesus understands where she is. It's almost as if Jesus is sitting in this environment and he's watching Martha do what Martha does and just says, I get it. I see, I see what you're doing. And it's, it's not that I, he's not being critical of her. He sees it. He empathizes with her. Jesus knows exactly how Martha feels, and he empathizes with her. He recognizes the worries. He recognizes the upsets, he re- and he redirects her. That's what I love. He redirects her to discover that which is best. You notice what he says of Mary. He says she's discovered something, and he's redirecting her to discover it. He's not criticizing her for being who she is. Hear that carefully. There is no criticism for how God has designed you. But he always wants us to accomplish the very best in our lives. And so he will redirect us. And I'm grateful that he does. He affirms Mary's sitting, but he does not criticize Martha's serving. And that's important. Because I want you to hear this this morning. Everybody in the house, guys included, the reason you can sit is because someone is serving. Do you hear me? The reason you can sit is because someone is serving. Now, I would be remiss if I, as your pastor, did not say what I'm going to say. Two things. The first is every one of us needs to find a place to serve. Every one of us. Regardless, every one of us need to find a place to serve. 
But we should not serve at the expense of sitting. If you are serving only, you are not receiving all that God has for you. And if you are sitting only, and maybe that is for a season, maybe you need to just fill up. I get it. I get that. In fact, I advise folks all the time, take, take a break and just sit and get filled up. Let God refresh you and replenish you. Absolutely. But I'm telling you, if you're only sitting and not serving, you will not be the fully developed follower of Christ that he desires for your life. It doesn't work that way. And if you are serving at the expense of sitting, you are missing out on what God wants to do in your life when you come into this place. You say, what is so magical about this place? What is the big deal about... I'm telling you, things happen in this room when we are gathered together corporately that happen no place else. And you need to be here. But we need to serve as well. It's both and. So again, the reason you can sit is because someone is serving. Best practices will produce spiritual insight and perspective. And that's what Jesus is doing in her life. He's not criticizing or serving. He says, but understand, there's more. There's more to life than just serving. Remember Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. and Thank Him for all that He has done. There are times, hear me, There are times to serve, and there are times to sit at Jesus' feet. And this is a real cliche. I'm going to give you just, I'm going to warn you right now, this is as cliche as it gets. Blessed are the balanced, but it is absolutely true. Blessed are the balanced. 1 Timothy chapter 4, physical training. I love the way Paul says that physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better. You notice what he says? He doesn't criticize the physical training. He just says that there are certain things that are better. He redirects us. He doesn't say, don't do this. He simply says there are things that are of greater benefit. There are best practices that will produce even more within your life. Promising benefits in this life, he says, and in the life to come. Final encounter that that we have with Martha in Scripture is found in John 12. It's after Jesus has raised Lazarus from the dead. And this is what we read. Six days later, or excuse me, six days before the Passover feast, Jesus went to Bethany where Lazarus lived. Lazarus is the man Jesus raised from the dead. There they had a dinner for Jesus. Here's a big surprise. Martha served the food. And Lazarus was one of the people eating with Jesus. And look at this. Another big surprise. Mary brought in a pint of very expensive perfume and made from pure nard. She poured, it, poured the perfume on Jesus' feet, and she wiped his feet with her hair. And the sweet smell from the perfume filled the whole house. You go, well, here we go again. Same old story. Second song, third verse, whatever. Doing the same thing. You notice something. Martha serves, and Mary sits. I wonder how many times you've read that passage or anybody preach on that passage and ever talked about Martha serving. It's always Mary pouring the ointment on Jesus' feet. Ever feel that way? Who I am is just simply overlooked and forgotten. However, I want to just offer another perspective real quick. One of the translations of this passage of Scripture says it this way, that Martha was helping to serve. And I thought to myself, oh, do I like that. I wonder 
I can't prove this from the text, but it's just my own musings. I wonder if Martha said, you know something? I don't have to do everything. I can help because that's how I'm wired. I want to serve. I want to serve Jesus. I want to serve my brother. I want to be involved in their lives. And Mary does what Mary does. She comes and she anoints the feet of Jesus. I just, I just wonder, I just wonder if in that scene, Martha walks by and she smells this perfume. And she said, oh, is that beautiful. No unfairness. But understanding that she's being who she is designed to be and Mary is who she is designed to be. And in both ways, Jesus is glorified and is worshipped and he's honored and respected. You see, when we balance our lives between sitting and serving, I believe the outcome is a satisfied life. And we bring all honor to Jesus through it all. My prayer is that you would discover and embrace God's best. So as we bring our time to a close, ladies, say this generally speaking, but for everyone, happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day. May God give you a marvelous day. And my prayer for you is to celebrate your unique gifts and talents. My prayer for you is that you wouldn't be worn out and worn down and that you'd discover and embrace God's very best for you.